Unburdened. So I went back and 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 listened to uh, an old episode of Unburdened, uh, mostly so then I could make sure that I was saying this perfectly, perfectly right. Welcome to Unburdened. I'm Derek. As always, I'm joined by Gerald and Corbin. Unburdened is a show where we examine the misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and other isms that we need to release ourselves of to become better men and parents in this day and age. The one rule that we have in this is that there is no misogyny and racism allowed, or rather homophobia allowed. Um, and we try and speak as honestly as possible about the things that are facing us in a day-to-day thing, in a day-to-day situation. Gerald, yes, how are sir. you doing today? Well, I'm glad I finally get to talk to y'all. We haven't <laughs> talked in a long time. And I was moved, convicted, if you will, to reach out to y'all to have a conversation about today's subject, just because things just keep happening. And sometimes I'll just like something will happen and then I'll be in the car and I have this long analytical conversation in my head where I'll walk down a whole thought path and I'm like, man, we need to talk about this. So I'm happy I get to talk to y'all. I'm pretty... um covered up with everything else though because i'm leaving in two days i've been teaching all week i found out that as soon as i get back i'm probably going to turn around like a day later and go to texas for a couple days to do some work and then come back and then as soon as i get back from that it will have been three weeks and then i'll get my kids back for another two weeks and they will have started school uh in person because they won't have the option of being at home no more right as the world is going right back into Yeah. yeah Because people refuse to put a little put a little vaccine in their body and refuse to wear a mask. And now here we are dying again. Oh, fam. My office tried to throw a, 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 a barbecue, a getting to know you barbecue. They sent it out to basically everybody in the building talking about, yeah, we're getting together next week to do a, um, a, a burger cookout. And we need y'all to put on the list what you're bringing. And I typed in two words. Masks are three words, four words, sorry. Masks won't be there because I'm not going. So I'm going to drop off some masks for y'all. And then I'm going back home. And that's for two reasons. One, y'all look like y'all got COVID. Like you don't, they look like they don't believe in masks. Like they look like, you know, when your kid uh, when you tell your kid that they can't do something, they get that look on their face like they're like they're real put out, like when they're five and six and can't control their emotions. And so they get that look on their face like they're mad, but they ain't going to do what you ask them to do. That's what they look like when they got told they need to put on masks. And so I don't trust them that when they're at home that they wear masks. And so I'm not going. The second reason is I can make a better burger than y'all can. Mm-hmm. So why I am I going to sit amongst y'all? that would be a great catering opportunity. They didn't ask me. No. So wow. fuck them. They didn't <laughs> ask me. And since they want to pull out their nasty little um, frozen beef patty things and throw them on the grill frozen with no season or nothing on it, why the heck would I do that to myself? So nah, I ain't going. And I told my boss I ain't going. He was like, I understand. I don't want to be there either. Also, Before we get into what brought us together today, I had a situation today that uh, hit me square on my chest, and I wanted to mention this. Um, So as y'all know, I do a lot of different podcasts. It's it's one of the things I do as I retire from podcasting, Um, and one of the podcasts I do is Ratchet Book Club. And so when I do Ratchet Book Club, I go out and about on Twitter a lot more than I'm on Facebook. I go to, I go to Twitter and I tell um, just, there's a lot of people who are type or who are requesting podcast ideas. And so I tell them about my show and then I tell them about other shows they should listen to. Um, And today I was doing that and somebody 
replied to my list of shows that people should listen to. And they were like, yeah, but you should also listen to these shows. And I was like, you know, that's kind of bad etiquette to hop on somebody else's list and be like, yeah, and you should listen to these shows as well. I was like, I understand being overzealous and being excited about your show and wanting to get in where you fit in, but that's not the move. Plus the shows that they were talking about were famous people, like 20,000, 30,000 followers on Twitter type famous blue check people. And so I was Mm. like, you know, I'm I'm more trying to promote the independent podcasters, the one who uh, one listener, one more listener will really change their life type podcasters and they were like yeah but these podcasts are new too whatever whatever and i was arguing with them for a second and really getting mad and i was like you really i feel i really feel disrespected but what you did and then they said but i didn't know i didn't do anything and then i just froze because i thought about grace and how we all grace is the thing that we all ask for but nobody ever wants to give back and and it's a thing where this person is literally telling me, like, I didn't know, you know, I, I this is I looked at their profile. They only had like three followers They were new to Twitter. And I thought back to when I first got to Twitter and I was telling any and everybody about single simulcast, like just barging into rooms like, hey, check out my show. And they'd be like, fuck you, blocked. And didn't even really give me a chance to grow from it or learn from it or anything like that. So I was like, you know what? I'm wrong. I came at that completely the wrong way. I bit your head off and I apologize profusely. Um, I wish I had listeners that were as fervent as you that were willing to go into a room of strangers and say, hey, check out these shows too. Um, just, you know what, have a great day. And and it, it really just, it really just sunk me to think about how when confronted with something that I rail against so much, when confronted with it in a time where I wasn't uh, expecting it, I behaved exactly like the people who I despise. And so that's why I'm saying that we talk a lot about grace. We talk a lot about helping out other people and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes down to it, we forget to be gracious a lot. And we don't, it's just second nature, like click, click, like just like that, all of a sudden we're like, this fool cut me off or this fool did this or this fool ain't listening to me or whatever it may be when we should be exhibiting grace. And the only way that other people are going to learn how to be gracious, I feel, is to see us being gracious. But I also feel like grace is like a matte black paint. It absorbs the heat, but it ain't sending it back out. So I wanted to ask y'all what y'all thought about the idea of grace and if it is something that is common amongst us, the three of us, and if it's common in the world as a whole. And then I'm sorry, Gerald, I know you want to talk about the superhero athletes and we right back at it. I promise you. Works. Hey, Corbin, what do you think? Well, I struggle with it right now. Um, I feel like you you say grace. Um, another thing that we struggle with that we want from everybody else, but I guess this is in reverse. Accountability. We want everybody else to be accountable for what they do, except ourselves. We can explain away why we don't have to be accountable, but everybody wants accountability, but nobody wants to be accountable. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way, like Grace. I'm struggling with the anti-vaxxers um, being extremely pissed that, I mean, I we all knew this was coming. I mean, we can't sit here and act like we didn't know, but it's just, I've always thought, even since I was a kid in history class, that when, like, we were reading about the plague and all this other stuff, I'm like, okay, so... That, that stuff will never happen again because I feel like we have science and people will look at the science and go, yeah, good idea. I'm going to do it. And then we'll never have issues like that again. But here we are. And so I, I have a problem extending grace, which right now I, I just walk away from the situation to people who won't listen 
won't read and just feel like they, I mean, they just do what they want. And that's, mm-hmm. Americans don't like consequences. They, we've rarely had to face them as a country. We rarely have done something that we have to go, oh, there's a consequence for that. Mm-hmm. So we knew this was coming. We did. A lot of people are acting like they had no clue. Like, okay, you wore masks for four, five, six months, eight months. Okay, and then, then you put it away, and that was something we did. Um, so that is my struggle right now. How do you extend grace to people that, uh, I don't, it's just like man's inhumanity to man is. Can I, can I jump in on that though? Because please, I don't, I, I don't feel like that particular scenario is one in which you should be talking about extending grace to them unless you define what you mean by grace. And I say that before I ask for your definition, because Derek talked about a situation where someone did something that they did not realize, and then it was over. And at some point in the situation, Derek realized, oh, this person didn't know what was going on. I should extend grace rather than biting their head off. But it was a one-time mistake, Mm -hmm. which is completely separate from people who are actively choosing to endanger themselves and other people against good common sense and science and begging from everybody around them, they're looking you in the face and saying, screw off, I'm gonna do what I want and you can't tell me nothing. That's not a situation where I feel like you should be like, well, I need to give them grace. No, you're actively choosing stupidity and anger and hatred over what makes sense and what would be empathy for other people. So walking away from them is about as gracious as you can get. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I am on it. Um, now my definition of grace is really just looking at a situation. And I mean, I hate to say is what would Jesus do? Uh, <laughs> but that's, that's really the way I look. At Jesus would have flipped the table. I mean, Jesus has flipped tables. He, I mean, you know, but I never come up with the Jesus flip the table. Okay, I need to flip the table like Jesus did. I always come up with, you know what? You're coming from a position of fear or whatever, and I'm just going to be the bigger person. But when I do that, it eats at me. And I, I don't know. Like, I feel like, and this is just my definition of grace, um, in the situation you discussed, Derek, after that, I feel like I would still be pissed about it. <laughs> like, I, I know that I would do that. I corrected my mistake, but, and I'm extending grace to this other person, but I would be so mad still inside. And so see, the thing is, if I hold it inside and I'm still mad about the thing that transpired, then there's a chance that I would come back later on and say something else. Like I've learned that I have to literally be, I think that we conflate grace with being the bigger person. I do. Yeah, I was going to, that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm glad you went there, Derek, because they're not the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's not. And if we think that we're being the bigger person by letting it go, then we look at them like they're below us for not letting it go or for not doing what we're doing. And that's where I had to check myself because it's not always like that. This person was completely, they were as, they were as pure as a driven snow when it came to this situation. I'm not better than them. They just didn't know. And so when it comes to COVID, oh, them niggas know. Them, Them white folks is complicit. But it's a different argument. That's a political argument they're standing on. They're they're making up all these lies in their head to 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 explain why they're doing it. And yeah, I can't go to like if I wanted to, I can't go to like the Lake of the Ozarks at all because everybody there is like partying without masks on, talking about we don't believe in COVID while people around them are dying of COVID. But this person was. I I literally thinking about it. I still I literally feel shame about how I approach this person for what they did. And I really do wish, and Corbin, you've been with me since you were Burberry. Yeah. So you know 
that there were times where we walk into the wrong room and just get shot at back when Twitter really was the wild, wild west. And that's why I'm like, grace is something that isn't, isn't given. It's something that's taken and we need to figure out how to give it as much as we take it. And it starts within us. Like it's literally something where you have to sit back and say, you know what? My daughter's mom, my, 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 my son's mom, whatever it may be, they, they mean well. Like from the standpoint of this, when they do this, yes, it gets on my nerves. But what's the reason why they're doing this? Are they doing it to help out our kid? Are they doing it to push something forward? Like, if they're doing it like that, then I really need to just back off. And I'm in this group. I don't know why I jumped back into a Black Fathers group, but that stuff is like, yeah, oh, my gosh. Every third question is, how do I get out of child support? (laughs) Marry her. That's how you get out of child support, I guess. But, um it's it's like i'm sitting there and i'm watching all these guys who are looking for grace but they don't want to give grace and it's black men who are all building each other up to be fortified against the idea of dispersing grace to anybody their kids their significant other their ex their kids all their kids their poor kids but it, it just hit me today. Like we really need to stop and slow down and take a look around because we are, I don't know how else to say this fellas. We're becoming the elder statesmen in the community. It's the end time. So we'll be burned off of earth here pretty soon. So, <laughs> so something real quick, I wanted to jump in with Derek just cause it stood out to me as you were saying that, uh, you know, the, those, those white folks know what's going on with COVID and they just, you know, choosing to be defiant. Um, I don't know how it is in California, but it ain't just white folks down here. It, really? it is so much of the black community refusing to get vaccinated because they don't either trust the vaccine or trust the government or trust this or trust that. I don't know what it's going to do to me. Is it going to make me infertile? Is it going to change up my DNA? Like all of that stuff. You, you hear it right here in the black community, just like you were hearing in the white community. Uh, well, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's Arkansas. That's, that's what I see. In Mississippi, it's a little bit. I, I, I hear that. I hear exactly what you're saying. I feel like in Mississippi, I, I wear masks. I still see people. Well, my summer, I, I wild out. I started wearing my mask again last week. Because mm-hmm. I started seeing numbers. I got vaccinated. I wilded out. I, I went to, you know, what was it? There used to be uh, MTV Club La Vila. I went to Club La Vila. I was hanging out. But I got my senses back now. Um, so I started wearing my mask again last week. But here I, I've, I've seen black people in general just they they wear their mask. Period. They like I, I've seen people at Walmart or when I go somewhere, they never take that thing off. Now, there are a group, I would say, of younger black folks, and I would say 25 and the 30 and under, they, they fit exactly what you're saying. But it seems like anybody older than that has been wearing masks the whole time, even when vaccinated over here. Now, our vaccination numbers are atrocious. But I remember I, I looked, I think it was two days ago, among black people. It's at 60% in the state of Mississippi, but among white people, it's like 17 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I, I will not say that there aren't disparities, but like, right within my own family, I got a whole bunch of folks who are either right around my age or a little bit younger, like you said, who are just like, I ain't getting that vaccine. I'm not putting it in my body. Now they may or may not throw a mask on, um, but as far as not getting the vaccine that can help us get this whole thing behind us. I see that in black folks and white folks uh, around here. Um, And then the refusing to wear a mask thing. Yeah. I'd have to admit that kind of skews a little bit more Trumpish, but you know, it, it, um, 
all of it is not helping. We'll put it like that. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, um, what's it like out there out west in the, in the the great world of the West Coast? So out here, they are uh, offering money to people. No, and, we don't do that here. Um, lotteries, like million dollar lotteries to people to get their vaccine. And, and both my eldest son and my eldest daughter both work for a uh, company that uh, they're working the call center but they're working from home, which is dope. Um, scheduling people to get their COVID shots. So I hear all day long, both of them talking to people, getting it scheduled and set up. However, with that said, California is a really big state. And so where the black folks are and where I, let's be honest, where I am. Yeah. It looks like the numbers are good, but there's other places that are as rural as the, most well the second most rural place in arkansas here so what you're telling me is the state of jefferson is not vaccinated pretty much (laughs) pretty much because you know there's places out here where they want to secede from southern california because it's too liberal and yeah so um i saw a map where california was broken up into six states yeah so those places, no, not even close. They don't believe in it. They don't want to believe in it. And they want, well, not even that they don't believe in it. And I think it's the same thing in Arkansas and in Mississippi. They secretly are hoping that herd immunity saves them. And so when that Delta variant came around and started kicking them in the face, it's like, okay, now what? Like, do I have to get vaccinated? Uh, if I got COVID before, do I have to get vaccinated? The answer is yes. You're not inoculated against it like you would be with the chicken pox. So folks now are in this place. One of my homies told me that they're waiting to see, you know, if they t- if anybody turns to a zombie. And I'm like, well, I got my shot like right after it was available to me. And I haven't changed. I'm still the same jerk that I've always been. And they're like, yeah, just wait. Just wait. Like, there's a lot of conspiracy theories that are popping up out of nowhere that are really unsettling. And no, I don't have to be gracious to people who are stupid. If I tell you and show you and prove to you that two plus two equals four, you can't argue with me that in some places in the world, it's six. No, I agree with you. I agree with that. And I don't understand how people who otherwise are very smart, very analytical, they, you write down two plus two is four on paper, and they're like, yeah, I get that. But you say it, and they're like, well, three plus three is six. And they're like, oh, hold on. That's not what I heard. I heard that in this place, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I wear my mask at work. And I think I'm the only one right now that wears it in the office. I, when I went back to my mask, I, it's like I became Batman again. I put the cowl on, and that was it. It's on. <laughs> Why aren't you wearing a mask? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's actually when I, I love reading. I do. And so I don't remember where this was in a book, but I remember reading it and thinking that this was the edgiest thing when I was like 21. Somebody, a professor came into his classroom, into his college classroom, and said, the sky is green. Prove to me that it's not. If you could prove to me that the sky is not green, I will give you an A. And so the class spent the next three weeks trying to convince the teacher that the sky is not green. And everything that they gave him, he had a he had a retort for. And at first I was like, "Ooh, that's deep. He's making him think deep and all that kind of. And then I realized, fuck that dude. There's literally social norms that you're fighting against that, you know, are there like you can't tell me, okay, the sky is really this color when it's blue we're both looking at the same sky and to argue what's already a certainty for me is what makes me twitch it's what makes me literally get upset at people like why do you want to be the devil's advocate 
Why do you want to be that person? Why do you want to be edgy just for the sense of being edgy? And it's like, ugh. It just pisses me off. But, Gerald. Yo. Hero athletes, let's go. No, because you didn't ask me how I felt about Grace. How do you feel? I thought I did. And you, you, no. you, you conceded to Corbin. You asked. That Corbin, does, so does that mean? Think? So does that I mean if Corbin goes y'all. first? No. Does I that mean if Corbin goes y'all. first that hey, I don't get to I'm talk? Staying out of this. I no, talked. I asked. I, I I sent it to Corbin first, and then yeah. y'all went back and forth, and then now you're like, okay, let's move on. Well, Brother don't get a say. I, I, I apologize wholeheartedly. When well, I was I like, what do y'all no, think? I, I was ain't giving you out. no grace for that. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, no, Gerald, what do you think? What's your thoughts on it? So my my thought is I am probably a little bit different because to me, grace comes naturally. And it doesn't come naturally because I'm holier than thou. It comes naturally because I am all about my own peace. And you ain't worth it. So <laughs> <laughs> for me, it is so easy to tell somebody it's cool, no problem, and mean it. Not because I'm trying to do something for you, but because for me, you are just not worth the stress. So I just, it's for the exact same thing you said. Like, I can't be walking around being mad or upset about some stuff that I can't control. And you literally just crossed my path the wrong way at the wrong time. And if I let this go, then you can go on about your business. I can keep going, <laughs> keep on going without it. You know so, what's wild is, is that... um I've met people who literally get mad when you're like, that's no big deal. No, 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 really. It, it's, it's cool. It, it's, it's good. It's passes. No, no, you, no, dude, get the hint. Just let it go. Like, like you feel like I need to absolve you. Like I need to feel the anger and the hurt that you feel. And then we need to together come to this point. And I'm already here. Like, Catch up, bruh. So I had, I had a situation on the golf course a little while ago, a couple months back, where um, I was out, I was walking, and I hit a shot. It was a little bit of an errant shot, but it wasn't, it wasn't too far off. Like I was walking though, and one big thing I run into when I'm walking is that as I'm walking to my ball, a lot of times people in golf carts, as they just rolling by, they'll just, ooh, I see a ball, and nobody's near it, and they'll just pick it up, mm -hmm. and I'm like. <laughs> bruh like i'm sure it wasn't sitting in a fairway but that doesn't mean it doesn't belong to somebody so that happened to me like i hit a shot it went a little bit right it's just inside some trees right next to where you know the green is i'm hitting that and as i'm walking to the um to the ball i see this dude in his golf cart he rolls around he goes he gets my ball and then he just goes on to his you know fairway or whatever so i have to literally walk down stop my cart where the ball was and I, I keep walking out to where this dude is out in this other fairway and um because i'm walking in there in a the cart like he's already hit a tee shot he's out in the fairway and he's getting ready to hit a second tee shot when i get close to him mm -hmm. and i'm still walking up and he hits this shot he hits a bad shot and then he pulls a ball out of his pocket and drops it on the ground to hit it again i happen to play a very bright yellow ball so immediately i knew this is the ball he just picked up and it's mine so when he dropped it on the ground, I screamed out because I'm still walking to him. I was like, nope, pick it up, throw it to me. And he turns around. He's like, what? I said, that's my ball. You picked it up. Throw me my ball. And so he said something else. I don't know. And I said, no, I just saw you pick it up. That was my ball. Throw me my ball. So he throws the ball as hard as he can over my head because he's so pissed off that I called him out on his BS. Mm -hmm. So... I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. I got my ball back. So I go, I get the ball, I go back, I drop it where it was at, I play the rest of the hole, and then I go to the next hole. Well, these guys were on hole 18, I was going to hole nine, and I was like, nah, I was, this was, um, that was not what I was going to do. I was like, I'm finna go play hole 18, and I'm going to the back tees because I hit the ball pretty far, and these guys just teed off. And I'm about to go ahead and tee off right over their heads, which you shouldn't be doing in golf. That mm. is bad etiquette. But I was like, nah. So I went up to the back tees right behind these dudes. They are directly in my line. If I hit a bad shot, I could pop them. That would be bad. But I was like, nah. Today, right now, I'm about to hit the longest drive I've hit all day. 
dead straight down the center, just so I can show these two dudes who probably assume, oh, it's just a black dude on the golf course. I can disrespect him because that happens to me all the time. That probably assume that I just suck. I hit this drive, longest drive I've hit, dead straight. And then I just get in the car. I just start walking down on my ball right past them and uh, completely ignore them. I get down on my ball. Their ball is like maybe 50 yards. Their balls are like 50 yards behind mine. And they had hit from a closer tee. So uh, in on a golf course, typically when that happens, somebody's like, oh, my God. So I just ignore them and walk to my ball because I was I was kind of pissed. But I was also like, this is how I'm going to get back at you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and have argue with you. I'm just about to make you look stupid. And um, so I did that. And then I'm down at my ball. I'm about to hit the second shot. And they roll up in the golf cart and the guard is like, hey, man, I'm so sorry. I threw this ball over your head and blah, blah, blah. And I shouldn't have done that. I don't know why I did that. And I'm like, it's no problem. It's cool. Point made. We're, we're done. He's like, no, man, I want I want you to have this. And he like pulls this ball out of his pocket. It's not even a brand new ball. It's not even an expensive ball. He's just like, I just want to give you a ball for, you know, for the ball. It's like, please take it, man. I'm like, I don't want your ball. The apology was fine for me. No, no, like, like this is this is my apology. Like, I, I need you to take this ball. I was like, I don't need your freaking golf ball. I got a bag full of golf balls. Like, the fact that you came and apologized is enough for me. Just let me go on about my business now. No, man, I really need you to take this golf ball. Like, like for me, it's not over until, you know, I've atoned for it. And I'm just like, bruh. So now you're making the apology about you. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not about the fact that, I want to move away and put this behind me. It's performing. You won't let me let it go until I've capitulated to your apology the way that you want to give it with some stuff I don't even care about. I'm just like, okay. So entitlement even makes you get to the point where you recognize you're wrong and you go to apologize, but the person who you feel like you are superior to has to accept your apology your way or otherwise, you still going to badger them because I, I own the way that you react to me and I own the way that I apologize to you and the way that you must accept it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that, this, is the, this, is, this is the opposite of what you should be doing. I was just like, I'm not taking the ball. Like, you can stand here all day long. I'm not, it's not my job to make you feel better about this situation. You were an asshole. I turned around and I was an asshole back. You don't hear me apologizing for hitting over your head because I'm not sorry. You're not sorry about picking up my ball. You're sorry that I called you out and you feel embarrassed. Yeah. I'm not going to make you feel better about that. Sit in those feelings. I'm going about, about, on about my business. And I just left them. But I'm tearing my shirt. I am renting my clothes for right? you to I'm flatulating myself. I am, look at me slap myself <laughs> in the forehead. I am. Do you have lighter fluid? I will set myself on fire. To show you that I am sorry that you <laughs> caught me stealing your stuff and then I got mad about it. <laughs> like nothing he did. You gave me my ball back. That's it. Also, as a non-golfer who has grandparents and a father who golfed, now I know why they had so many different color balls. Like they 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 had like the yellow ones. They always had the bright yellow ones. And that's likely because my grandfather would golf in 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 Georgia, in, in Brunswick, Georgia, where they were probably like, nigger, that ain't yours. And he'd have to put, he'd have to mark his name on it and stuff. So, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I've had plenty of situations where, like, I'm playing on a course just like anybody else. And I've had, I've had guys literally, my ball would be in the middle of the fairway. I know it's in the middle of the fairway. And it was people playing in front of me, far enough ahead of me that I was nowhere near hitting them. And I would hit my ball and go over, you know, some hill I can't see in the fairway. I get up there. I cannot find my ball at all. Can't find it. No way it was anywhere missing. And then I go and confront the folks in front of me. You're just like, oh, what kind of ball do you have? Oh, man, we just thought it was someone just sitting over there in the rough or something. Like, oh, we, we didn't know that was anybody's ball. And they'll give me the ball back. Later on in the round, happens, happens again, but they don't pick the ball up. I go up to my ball in the fairway, and somebody has gone and stepped on it and smashed it down into the ground. What? Middle of the fairway. Just I, I run into I run into so many racist assholes on the golf course. Run into a whole lot of really, really cool people, but I definitely run into the folks who are just like, 
I don't have to respect you or show you any of these normal etiquette rules because you're just a black dude out here. This is not your space. This is our space. And which is why one of the reasons why I am so competitive with myself at this game, because I just love destroying people who feel like I shouldn't know how to play it. Like you shouldn't be there. Right. Like I shouldn't be here, but I'm out driving you and I'm on the green when you're searching all over the place. And I'm, I'm just better than you at stuff. And now I can be dismissive and just going about my business. Like you don't even exist to me. Cause that's basically the attitude I get sometimes is you don't exist. You shouldn't be here. Do y'all feel like being unbothered? Really? You being unbothered really bothers people. It does. (laughs) Oh yeah. I used to, I used to, when I was a much, much pettier person, Like in my 20s, oh, in my 20s, I was great at it. My favorite saying when I was in my 20s used to be, you like it, I love it. And when they get mad about something, they'd be like, ah, I'd be like, you like it, I love it. And I'd just stay calm. And the calmer you get, the madder they would get until finally they want to fight you because you're calm about it. And it's just like you can weaponize calmness. There's ways to be petty when you're trying to be graceful. There are a ton of ways. My my ancestors have shown me the way <laughs> to be graciously petty. Mr. Petty is my little name. Mm-hmm. Mo- a whole lot of grace is pettiness sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, sometimes it, it's just a whole lot of petty right in that grace is just like, because you need to understand that there, there is something, you need to be convicted in this, but that's not my job to convict you. It's not. And it's not my job to be the one to teach you because that's too much energy for me. So I'm going to go ahead and slide right on by. But in this slide, you're going to see this swag and that swag is going to hurt your heart. (laughs) Speaking of swag and sliding right on by and being unbothered in the middle of everybody telling you, but you can't do that. But you have responsibilities to other people. But you was the leader of this team. How you going to just see that's what the ultimate the ultimate in taking ownership of your own agency, even when the eyes of the world are on you, these superhero athletes mm-hmm. who are saying, you ain't going to treat me like a superhero no more. I am a human. I deserve the dignity of being treated like a human. See how we segued into that original conversation. I like it. I like That's it. That's what I'm talking about. So on that, the, the whole reason I wanted to talk to y'all uh, is because all these things that have happened over the last few weeks, like you have uh, Naomi Osaka basically coming through and being like, hey, guess what? My personal uh, mental well-being and emotional well-being is more important than you telling me where I need to be and what I need to do. And Shakari coming through and saying, hey, I did just find out that my mom died. Yeah, I smoked some weed. Oh, y'all want to punish me? Okay, that's fine. Yep, I did break a rule. Got it. But I'm not about to sit here and prostrate myself in front of you and beg forgiveness for smoking a little bit of weed when I was trying to get over grief. And then Simone Biles, who has literally had all the joy of this thing that she is the greatest in the world at snatched away from her while also being told you better go out here and perform to the level that we want to see you perform, but you're not going to get scored for what you're doing because nobody else could do it. So go out there and put yourself at risk and do the absolute greatest show on earth so that we can be entertained, but don't expect your scores to reflect that because it wouldn't be fair to give you scores based on the difficulty of the thing you're doing because it's off the chart. So we're just going to score the things that are on the chart. But yeah, you better go out there and be the face of our games. And she was just like, oh, for real? No, I'm good. This is not joyous for me anymore. And when the joy is gone, the danger level goes up because I really need to be concentrating on all these really dangerous things I'm doing. And I'm not because I don't really want to be here and I'm going to get myself hurt and I'm going to cost my team. It would be better if somebody else was doing this right now. Mm-hmm. I'm done. And that's exactly how I felt about that. Exactly. Because it looked like she in, in previous um, meets and, and Olympics, she really enjoyed what she did. It wasn't a job. It was fun. And they sucked all the fun out of it. Now, I don't want to do it no more. Why? And she's gotten other girls to join the team and and all this other stuff. But these people, 
Like the the scoring was the most atrocious thing. If they can't do it, they need to get better. Sorry. If I'm off the charts, I'm off the charts. If I piss excellence, I piss excellence. And if you <laughs> I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence. Nobody can yeah. touch my stuff. <laughs> and if you can't, that's not my fault. It's just not my fault. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. I I think a lot of the uh I think a lot of the superhero athletes was marketing. Um and I feel like there was a time where they thought they had to do that um, to maximize their dollar because you're only an athlete for so long. So you throw the football, shoot the basketball, do whatever you wave, make the McDonald's commercials, you're done. But I think today's athlete, and especially the the women athletes, they see that you can do that and be yourself. Just be yourself. It You don't feel like it, you don't feel like it. I read a post today where Simone literally thanked people for letting her know that her, that she was worth more than her athleticism. And I've never been a super athlete. I've never been the best at that. That's not my gift. I'm, I'm good at things, but that's not my gift, but it hurts my heart to think that somebody is so good at something that they cease to be anything but that to people. And it, it, it breaks me that to think that not only Simone went through that, um, but that there are other athletes throughout the years who have been told that they're not allowed to be more than what they are. And this goes even back to the shut up and dribble uh, addict that LeBron James was given, you know, that you are not allowed to step outside of this box that we've placed you in. Um, and, and, and the toll that that must have on their health, on their mental health, that, that pressure, as well, that everything they're doing, like everything that Simone is doing, the four moves that they've named after her, the fifth one that they would name after her, if they ever let her actually do it in competition. The fact that it's all leading up to just this one month of work. And then after that, you just fade back into, well, now you're working for us again for another four years until your time comes around again. She's like 22, 23 years old. 24. 24? To have the pressure on her shoulders of being told you're well of being the best and being told by your coach that you can't leave because without you, we're screwed. That's wild. Like, really, I never even really thought about that. Like, I was reading the story because, of course, as soon as they talk about uh, Simone Biles uh, stepping down for her mental health and Naomi Osaka stepping down for her mental health and how all these people are getting on them. Folks start talking about, well, you saw Carrie Strug when she was injured, still go ahead and do her her vault. And then a story came up right behind that where she was like, yeah, and it ruined my career. And I had to retire at the age of 18 because I shouldn't have done that. Because and I went out there and I felt the pressure to perform in this moment for the world. And I put my body and my future behind me so that I could be what you told me that you wanted me to be. And that's how America defines its heroes is the people who will give up the rest of their lives so that we can have a moment of entertainment and glory with a little piece of metal that none of us will actually ever see. And that doesn't come to any value for that person beyond that moment of glory. And for decades, that has been the norm. I can't think of an Olympics where there haven't been athletes who went out and broke themselves and then the adrenaline just pushed them through to finish performing on a broken leg or with a broken back. And we praise them for making the decision to entertain us rather than take care of themselves right there in that moment. And Look at Willis not- Reed. Huh. Boxing, especially. I was going to just say not even to the point of breaking themselves, but there's other athletes. And and as we're going through this, and it's a very new thing where athletes are saying, you know what, I'm going to look out for myself first. 
and to see audiences completely eviscerate them for that. How dare you? It makes me think about uh, Marion Jones and, and, and Ben Johnson and how they took steroids and performing enhancing drugs to maintain what they felt that they're, they were expected to do, what they were expected to give to their country. And when they were caught doing these drugs, they were humiliated, mocked, and completely ignored. Like, I haven't heard from Marion Jones since she got caught. And I don't think people really think about what kind of an athlete she was. But on top of being a world-class sprinter, she was also the starting point guard for the North Carolina Tar Heels basketball program. Like, she was above and beyond. And yet, at this moment where she did these drugs, all of a sudden, it's like, we knew she was a cheater. And we knew she was this and that. And the pressure that we're putting on these young people to do what we can't do. It's one of the reasons why I haven't watched the Olympics at all this year. Not a drop. And folks are saying, well, you're being selfish by not watching the Olympics because there are other black people who are competing and there's other black women and there's other black folks that need your support. And it's like, yeah, they do. But I need to make sure that I made this statement felt. I, I, I need to make sure that I can say, you know what, this is what I did in support of all of the black women who have been fucked over in these Olympics. There's also the folks who are getting fined for wearing shorts instead of wearing bikinis for beach handball. Like, I think that's the Netherlands team who uh, got told they have to wear bikinis to play handball, but the men's team gets to wear shorts and sweats and comfortable stuff. And they're like, why do we have to have bikinis riding up in our butt in order to play handball better? So I really do like how athletes are finally taking a stand for themselves and saying, you know, we don't have to put up with this. We're better than this. And our worth is more than what we do on this field or in this water or on this track. And so I support that 100%. Gerald, you look like you got something on your mind. There's always something on my mind. Um, so the the wait, Corbin, you hadn't said much. No, I'm good. Okay, so I'm good. See, see how I check in. See if somebody else got something to say. No, you first. You first, Gerald. No, no, I was I was just being petty. So um, <laughs> he was. The, I was gonna check in on him yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is it petty if nobody cares? Damn. I mean, <laughs> wow. Damn. I mean, you go first. I go first. Wow. So. You like another another step <laughs> along, <laughs> along this path that I was uh, and all these thoughts either happen in the shower or when I'm riding in the car. Right. But another step along this path that I thought about as I was having this stream of thought was I'm guilty of the of in my mind and in my heart holding the standard of the superhero athlete as uh, you have to be that in order for you to be considered the greatest. For instance, one of the big arguments that I make whenever we have the ancient and forever going conversation of MJ versus LeBron is Michael Jordan didn't take rest days because from his perspective, every single game, there might be somebody there who's never seen Michael Jordan play before. And so not only am I going to be there on the court, I'm going to give it my 100% all every single day because they came to see the Michael Jordan experience and I'm going to give it to him. But LeBron and all these new age superstars, they take rest days. I got to rest my mind. I got to rest my body. I got to rest my legs. It's like, you can, how, how can you be the GOAT when you choose to let a fan come in and pay for a ticket thinking they're going to see you and you're not going to be there to play just because you need to rest? This was my thinking. And I feel like that's being guilty of the exact same thing that the folks who are mad about Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka and the, and these athletes, these individual athletes 
doing the same thing, saying, I, I need to put me first. It made me rethink how I feel about seeing these superstar basketball athletes take days off. They're human. They need days off. Like I had to check myself. I was, I was convicted as I was having this conversation in my head of, dude, you need to rethink how you think about this because they're not far off from each other. I don't know what y'all feel about that. I think those are four great words. And they need to be used more often. It made me rethink. Nah, it's America, bro. Hot it take. made me That's rethink. It. Like, I, I think that being able to step into a conversation, even with yourself, and be able to walk away from it changed is a gift that, again, a lot of people still don't have yet. And so I'm proud of you for being able to confront that within yourself and actively work to make that change. Whatever the impetus was for it, whatever the accelerant was for it, it doesn't matter. The fact is you're making that change because there's a lot of people who are still saying, you know, he should have never taken a day off and he should have never done this. But me personally, I feel like if Michael Jordan had taken rest days, he would have never been with the Washington Wizards. He would have never had those seasons that everybody wants to forget because he still would have been able to play, which is why LeBron is into his late 30s and is still playing at a high level. So the game is changing in all facets. Like everything we see is changing every single day. The way that, like we said, the way they're approaching how they're being treated as athletes is changing. The way that we work the way that we interact with our kids is changing so why can't we change and be open to the opportunity for change i get excited when i think that i when when i find out something new one of the best things that happens to me whenever i sit down with shantae is something is going to be said by shantae that is going to make me shut the fuck up and think <laughs> And it is the best thing in the world. I'll say something that Shantae will hit me with straight facts. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's true. And by the end of it, I am a new person. Even if it's something as, as benign as Game of Thrones. By the time it's over, I have seen a new perspective. And I have to contend with that new perspective. And if you have a new perspective that you read or you hear on the radio or you walk across or you come across... As long as you consider it, I'm fine with that. If you had said, you if you had said, I, I did all that and LeBron still is a punk ass motherfucker, then I would have had an issue. Oh, I mean, yeah, I still had a problem serious. with the flopping. I mean, I mean, I'm still not saying he's a goat because you know the goat flops too him. much. Like, uh, uh, am I bleeding? You ain't never bleeding. Why are you always? <laughs> Because he knows it works. <laughs> I, I, I have my issues with him, but but that particular argument, I'm just like, that's not criteria. That's not part of the criteria. I mean, I, if, if, I if let you that really go. want to look at the GOAT conversation, just look at Space Jam. They both suck, though. I just want to put that out there. So. I have not watched the second one yet, and I will this weekend. You I was told not. that it was good and that it was better than the first. Uh, Anisha went and saw it. I haven't seen it. So, so here's the thing I'm going to tell you. Uh-huh. It's not. And that's saying something. <laughs> but here's the reason why it's not. The first Space Jam had, with LeBron, it had a surrounding cast that was actually funny. Like, it's people who could improvise hilarity. Like, Bill Murray went out there. When you think about Space Jam, you have to contend with what Bill Murray did in that movie. And Bill Murray was actually funny in that movie in large parts. He carried the movie as far as with his humor. Michael Jordan was a straight man throughout the movie. LeBron James is the straight man throughout the large part of this movie. They don't have anybody funny to go beside him. They don't. And they do things in this movie that are literally like, why'd you do that? Like, all of the, the uh, they have a Warner Brothers universe, serververse. So they are, um, they, all of the Looney Tunes are split up to go to other planets in the serververse. It's a lot like Ready Player One in that regard. So like LeBron and Bugs Bunny go and find Granny and she's in the Matrix verse. And so Granny's 
part is literally cribbed directly from the matrix where Trinity at the beginning does that levitating kick and kick somebody into the wall. Granny does that exact same thing. Hmm. It just felt that it felt lazy and it wasn't funny. And it actually made me mad. I wish you would watch it and we could discuss it as a father. Yeah. Cause that's the, the whole reason I want to see it. Um, Cause I, I feel like as an adult, I probably wouldn't like it. But if I'm watching it from like a, a young person, a kid's perspective, I probably would love it. I don't know because the storyline is, it. yeah, watch it and then we'll discuss that next next time. Because mm-hmm. the father in me had a really big issue with Space Jam Part Two, like a huge issue. And when you see it, we'll talk about it from that stance. Gotcha. So it's interesting that we're having this conversation, these conversations about problematic movies. Um, I'm currently listening to the most recent episodes of Revisionist History, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's podcast, and he is digging, he is spending three episodes digging into The Little Mermaid and all of the problematicities of that movie. So I am interested. Oh, yeah. I might have to check that out, too. Check it out. It's it's really, really good. But all his stuff is so good. So, yeah, he's literally doing that exact thing, digging into everything about what is wrong with the way that Disney does fairy tales and specifically that movie. Okay, I'll have to check that out like soon, because. Why not? I mean, there's. You are not required to see things the way I see things. And you're not required to follow lockstep. And I really have been trying to impress that upon my kids. Like the path you walk is a path you walk. I don't want you to walk my path. I don't want you to walk your mom's path. I want you to walk the path that'll get you from point A to point wherever you're trying to go. If that's point Q, then motherfucker, get the striking because that's a long way from A. But you're going to make it. I want you to go to point B. But if I drag you to point B, you know what's going to happen after I finish dragging my kid by their ear to point B? They're going to keep on going to point Q. Because that's where they want to go. And they're going to resent me for dragging them by their ear over to point B. Like, why am I here? And we have this conversation a lot. We've had this conversation regarding college and all kind of other stuff. But I was thinking about it for movies. Because when we watch hind, when we do hindsight, a lot of times I am the fly in the ointment about a lot of these movies. We just did, um, we just had a discussion about. We're doing a discussion about my favorite movies. Like this month is some of my favorite movies, and so we did a discussion on um, the professional Leon, the professional, and about. 50% 50% of that conversation was about how nasty that movie was in regards to them having a 12-year-old actively trying to hit on an old man and the old man saying, if I could, I would. So I want to hear other people's ideas about movies because, again, that's how you grow and change is by hearing other people's opinions. You can't live in an echo chamber and think that you're right all the time. You can't be right all the time. It's literally impossible to be right 100% of the time. You can even be wrong when you're talking to yourself. So I respect him for having his opinion. I'm looking forward to hearing it because it might jive with mine. It might not. But at least I'm going to hear something different that I've never heard before. And that's what I'm looking for. Well, gentlemen, all I will say is I was I'm, I hope Derek that you name this episode the death of the superhero athlete because yep. in my opinion the superhero athlete needs to die. I feel like we are we are seeing right now the death of that construct and it's the athletes who are killing it. They're they're just not going to allow people to force them to be superheroes anymore for their entertainment and then discard them as broken beings at the age of 18, 19, or 20 when they're done getting their thrills, watching them do whatever it is that was great. Like, I, I, I hope that the time we're in right now is a time where that 
status quo was changing and we stopped looking at athletes as uh, possessions that we have that must perform for us until we are done with them and the new cool thing is in front of us. So, but that's, I mean, that's why I want to talk about it. I mean, it marries back into the larger, into the first conversation. Like these two conversations literally marry into each other if you really think about it. Because what's happening with these athletes is that we have a lack of grace towards what they're going through and what they need out of life because we just want to see what we want to see. And so if we are able to look at these people, he's about to say that's how you get unburdened. If you if we're able to look at these people as just regular good people who are trying to make it in this world, who have something that they're good at, but in every other walk of life they're struggling. If we're able to see that and we're able to say, you know what? You deserve this rest. You deserve this break. You deserve to be happy outside of this one box that we placed you in. If we're able to look at everybody and say, you know what? I understand what you're going through or I don't understand what you're going through, but I appreciate the struggle that you're having and I want you to rest. If we're able to do that, if we're able to show grace to these athletes, then they want to work harder. They actually want to go out there and perform because people aren't penalizing them and making them feel badly for worrying about their family and for smoking weed. Like, what? But if we do that, if we're able to actually walk it how we talk it, if we're able to actually get, if we're actually to give what we want to get, that's how you get unburdened. That's how you get unburdened. <laughs> Called it. <sighs> Gentlemen, I am so grateful for y'all. I've missed the hell out of you. Looking forward to doing this again. We won't do it on Wednesdays because church, but Thursdays? Same bat time, yeah, same bat be. channel? Free. Um, yeah, I'll be free. Well, I, I mean, the next, traveling. The next, next week you'll weeks, be out of town. Yeah, I'll be I'll be near where you're at. So um, I will, we'll just have to see how it rolls. Cause I don't know what I'll be doing. I just mm -hmm. know that I have a new job to do, but. Are you watching space jam too? electric boogaloo anytime soon? <laughs> Me? <laughs> no. Then yeah. Corbin, you and I can get together <laughs> and sit down and talk about yeah. it from a, from a parent uh, standpoint, from a father's my, standpoint. My family's leaving me this weekend. So I will, uh, I'll partake as I clean up. I'll tell you what you need to watch. If y'all ain't watching it. What I have been introduced to by my 12-year-old, about to be 13-year-old, is My Hero Academia. Oh, I already oh, been through it. I ain't know nothing yeah. about it. She was just like, hey, this thing. Want to watch an episode? I was like, cool. Four seasons later, I'm like, oh, man. Can't wait till the fifth season's out. And fifth season's here. And I'm just sitting here like, ooh, how is Zuku going to get out of this one? Somebody told me wonderful. that... Somebody told me that the blueprint for all animes is this. Hero gets the ass whooped for three straight episodes. <laughs> Hero gets hit once so hard that their lip starts bleeding. Hero wipes blood from their lips and says something about their friends. And then they beat the shit out of whoever's been beating the ass for three episodes straight. <laughs> I guess they that's watch Dragon Ball. That's Z. definitely Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel like my hero academia can contracts all of that into like half an episode. Like, Another, like they don't start the fight till halfway in the episode, then they end the fight halfway through the, the next episode. Another great one for you is on Hulu. It's called Assassination Classroom. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm taking this down. Check that one out. And my kids have been watching just running through. I, I watched the seven deadly sins, uh, but I had to put it down for a second. I got through um, the first season. And I got through the first two and then I stopped. So I might go back. And then the last one that I would say, watch with your kids. And it's a long watch because it's three different series. And the movie is the troll hunter series on Netflix. Okay. Those ones are wonderful. Like, like I cried multiple times. Um, start with troll hunters and then it goes troll hunters, uh, three below uh, wizards. And then the final movie. And it's all tied in. It's Guillermo del Toro uh, is the person who created it. So you know it's dope. But, yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. We greatly do appreciate it. Um, you can check us out on Twitter at UnburdenedPod. 
I oh our email address is blackmanunburdened at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to send us a voicemail, it's 916-633-1537. Um, Corbin, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it is State of Corbin. I have my website, State of Corbin, YouTube videos, blog. I do a little bit of everything. Gerald, is it still uh, GW Jones 3 or GW Jones III? Two. Two. Three I, is I. my son. But also, don't go look for me on Twitter because I ain't there. It's empty. Don't go look for me on Instagram. I ain't added none of that to like two years either. I sometimes, occasionally, like once every three weeks, will hop on Facebook and leave a post. But that's about it. I am. I have retired myself from trying to be popular in the eyes of the world and podcasting. I do this because I love connecting with y'all. And maybe at some point I'll get back to my stuff. But if you want to connect with me, find me on Facebook. Be my friend. And that's about it. But you ain't gonna see no posts with no wisdom on it. Like I got other real stuff going on. I got dogs and kids and man, I ain't got time for all of this. I seen them. Man, <laughs> I got do you realize I have three dogs and three children in this house right now? That's a lot. That's like six kids. It is. And three of them ain't never gonna grow up and get their own jobs and leave the house. I gotta take care of them till they die. They like big toddlers that just stick around forever and always want love and food. And they're big. <laughs> they are big puppies. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Facebook, if if you wanna see every once in a while, I'll throw something up there that's corny, dad joke, but I'm not I'm not on the Twitters or the Instas no more. For sure. Well, thank y'all so much for listening. We greatly do appreciate you. Um, leave a review on Podchaser cool thing about leaving a review on podchaser that you can leave a review for the show as a whole but you can also leave a review for separate episodes which would be nice um from us to you y'all have a wonderful day be good peace You can follow the show at Unburdened Pod on Twitter. Voicemail is 916-572-9016. Email is blackinunburdened at gmail.